Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, welcome to the 410th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patron Christina Archer. Check out her new course, Winning Director Treatments at Commercial Directing Film School. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Warren Kaplan. And today we are talking about my favorite topic, and sometimes Matt's, pitching. Ooh, but it gets more nuanced than that. We're talking about introducing yourself to other talent, other filmmakers, other EPs, the ins and outs of all of that. Making connections. Making connections. How you present yourself and how other people present themselves to you. So we're going to cover four different topics. We're going to talk about reaching out to talent, how we've done it in the past, how we're planning on doing it in the future. We're going to talk about when people reach out to us. You know, having a podcast, uh, I think, is one reason a lot of people reach out to us, but also as directors, filmmakers, screenwriters, producers, uh, the various hats that we've worn, people do reach out to us uh, because we are in the position to hire people oftentimes. The third topic is going to be about presenting ourselves to potential employers. Some ideas we have on how to present ourselves so that people return our emails. <laughs> Uh, and a lot of that comes from us not returning other people's emails, right? Especially sure. you, Matt. Sure. You're really good at it. Um, and then uh, the fourth topic that you said will be uh, your least favorite topic, mm-hmm. <laughs> check-ins. Like, how much should you bug people after you reach out to them? And I feel like you're going to have a lot of opinions on this. I, oddly enough, don't have a lot of opinions on it. But it, it is on my mind when someone doesn't respond to me, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I can't wait to talk about it. This is an action-packed episode, Oren. Yeah, we made an outline. We made an outline. So uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover. So we're going to jump into it in just a second after we talk about our Patreon, which is the place where you can go ahead and throw us a buck or two to show your support for the show, just like Christina Archer did. At the $20 level, no less, you get a shout out at the top of the show. We're going to plug your Instagram, your reel, you know, whatever you want. That's a new bonus for people who have subscribed in the past or are going to subscribe in the future. So patreon.com slash justshootitpod is the place where you can support the show. It keeps us going. It is a very, it's truly essential. If you want the show to continue going, because Lord knows if it was up to Oren and I to edit the show, it would be over by now. But I do want to stress, like, if you are a patron and you want us to plug something of yours and we haven't mentioned you yet, please email us, justshootapod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And again, if you want to be a patron, patreon.com slash justshootapod. Uh, we'd love to see you there. Let's go on with the show. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So Matt, both of us have been talking about this lately, reaching out to people and being reached out to. But first, I thought... This topic of reaching out to talent is something that applies to pretty much every filmmaker slash producer mm -hmm. in the business, whether you're making features, whether you're making TV shows, whether you're making commercials, whether you're making a short film. So starting with uh, bullet point one, through an agent. This is the thing that I think people are probably the most familiar with, we'll I think say. Or simultaneously familiar with and scared of. Vaguely aware of. But here, here's the, the thing about it. Not all reach outs are created equal. And especially in the world of agencies, there's a big difference between cold, just like reaching out, checking avails, which is what we've talked about on the show before. But like, you you know, someone on your team or yourself reaches out, checks avails, hopefully with an assistant. So it's like not intimidating. Like, hey, is, um, give me an actor or an, is Tom Cruise available, right? Tom Cruise is a bad example because he's not. He's only doing his own movies. What about, is Dax Shepard available? Great. Perfect. Dax Shepard. Yeah. So Dax has, uh, you know, maybe he has a window or like you say, oh, we have, we're looking to shoot in these dates. Is Dax available? No, he's busy podcasting and he has a TV show and blah, 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 blah. But let's say that he is available. Then you could send your offer, right? That is the least likely to be taken seriously because there's no warmth there's no heat to the connection it's just like we reached out we sent a letter godspeed right i've done that many many times yeah i mean i think there's like so much context around that like if you sure. are a person that just won sun your film just sure. won sundance and you're reaching out with a million dollar offer it's different than sure are you sure. available and making my first For feature sack scale yeah exactly well and so that you're right there's a lot of context but like building off of that's the that's the floor that's right. the least likely to to get any sort of attention and can then i right. ask you have you ever actually been the person making the phone call to the agent no i have not yeah me neither i've never <laughs> never called an agent the closest i've done is i've i've been next to a phone call <laughs> you know what i mean i'll the, like you'll be like well let's just check and someone will like pick up the phone and make the call it feels old-fashioned too right yeah I've emailed the manager that I know and said, hey, you know, one of your clients mm -hmm. would be right for this thing I'm, I'm directing. Do you think she'd be up for hearing about it? Mm -hmm. But that I've never done the like, who, hey, Mr. CAA or Mrs. CAA. Sure. Like, Mrs. CAA, like, can I please uh, know? Yeah, Julia Roberts availability for next month. Right. So, well, so what you're getting at that, is is actually like further up the scale in what I'm describing, right? So like if your casting director has relationships with the people, has cast this agent's clients many times or has some sort of clout or reputation that changes things, same thing with producers, same thing with your pedigree if you are coming out hot. But also I think the thing that maybe is the most meaningful is when you are repped at that agency as well and the agency is excited about the project. Right. So yeah. that's, that's very, I mean, different. that's like a huge, yes, that, that, that's a huge leg up. Right? Yeah. It, right. And, and look, like, I don't want to be defeatist to anyone, but like, you know, now we're talking about really getting things going. Like if a, if an agency believes a movie is real, know that it knows that it's financed. All agencies have a weekly meeting of some sort, wherein 
all of the agents or all of the managers, every organization has to basically bring up these things to each other so that they have an ability to communicate with one another. That's like the value of an agency rather than just a bunch of lone mercenaries, right? Mm -hmm. So then, you know, if someone from that agency is attached and they can start getting into packaging or things like, you know, like putting things together, quote unquote, or if the agency reps the film for sales, now now you're cooking with some gas and you can get some stuff going. And then what ends up happening is perhaps the person that you originally were hoping you were going to cast uh, is available and uh, interested, or they're pitching you on other clients. One thing that you mentioned in this conversation was that you, if you have a casting director that has mm-hmm. cast from this Mm-hmm. agency before do you does that mean you have to have a casting director to be calling these hollywood agencies well i can i can speak in from personal experience certainly i've had casting directors do all of this before that's the reason i haven't done the phone call myself right or in the case of the current feature that i'm on producers are doing the heavy listing of our four primary leads and so making the offers making the offers yeah exactly we're doing that partially because it's just like it's just still a little early to bring in a casting director. In this case, a casting director is going to be really helpful in filling out roles with less screen time that like, you know, frankly, they have a better knowledge of like who's up and coming, who's really exciting people who've kind of fit that category. The people that we're going after are not, namey in the way that like an a-lister is a namey name but like you can do the legwork yourself of like oh what comedy tv shows are on right now that you know have this type of person this age this demographic all of that stuff so it's it's like pretty easy to just do ourselves and and frankly i would rather do but let me ask you oren have you ever gotten like the list back? Like, oh, this person's not available, but have you considered these clients? Has that ever happened to you before? It hasn't really happened to me with, it might've happened to me with talent back when I was doing my movies, sure. but that was like so long ago, but it has happened to me with crew. Like mm-hmm. um, if I'm, you know, flying somewhere and we got to hire a DP and we call basically mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the best agency in Toronto and say, mm-hmm here's the project who, which DPs are good for this. And we'll be like, Ooh, we want this DP. They're like, Oh, well at your budget, you can't get this DP, but we got this other DP. Um, so I've had that with talent. No, I mean, DP and talent are kind of, it's horses of a different color in that. Like, I think it's easier to see a DP and be like, Oh, this person's good and versatile. And like, maybe not what you were picturing look wise, but you can, it's easier to to get there together mm-hmm. with talent. I feel like you get these names back and you're like, you guys don't, you didn't read this script. You don't know. What I'm, you just sent me a list of men who are 25. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, those lists. I mean, I, I don't know. They're, it's like when you decide you want to make a movie and you start talking about like, you know, should we make it in LA or London? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just so preliminary, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it's not, it's not like serious stuff. I think when you get that list, um, I do wonder about this casting director thing though. Cause I think a lot of people, especially making their own, the first feature and they're maybe not in LA and they are trying to attach some talent to think like, Oh, we just need to raise $5,000 so we can get mm-hmm. a casting director for a mm-hmm. week to, mm-hmm just advise us on what to do next and make some offers and help us out. Like I do think sometimes casting directors do know like, Oh, this person's, you know, is the lead on this show that's about to come out. Right. Or they were just cast in this movie. It's going to take two years in VFX or whatever, like get them now. Yeah, that's true. Um, Definitely. But I, I wonder if, do you think like, I'm curious actually why you don't have a casting like you don't think a casting director at your place in, in this movie is like an important thing. I reached out to my casting director and we had a good conversation about like, you know, she saw my deck and like the talent that I had pulled. And she was like, yes, I love these people. 
I'll take five thousand dollars from you if you want me to reach Make out to their calls. agent. But like at this point in the game, you can certainly do all of that yourself. And like, yeah, sh- sure, she had like a few, a few connections. But you know, if I was doing it solo, if I didn't have producers who also had these connections and personal relationships with all of the agents that were working, reaching out to. I think it would be much, much, much more intimidated. But because the team has worked with these people before and gets their calls answered, that kind of does it for me anyway. You know what I mean? That's why. That's do, you, why. do you think it's important to have relationships with agents and managers like for this purpose? Or do you think it doesn't really matter? You, you need the actor to want to like it, the project. The actor... The actor's the the ultimate decision maker. And it's, you know, it's a complicated thing. It's, there's, you know, it's challenging. And also, agents are gatekeepers. They are there to protect their talent from having their time wasted with material that's not up to snuff or not real or not going to get made or whatever. You know, like, the agents are there to, like, keep bozos away. And also to get them great jobs. But that's kind of an equal measure. So, like, it's nice that these people have, um, that my team has relationships with these people because we've already passed the sniff test, so to speak, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So that's through an agent. Mm-hmm. So how else can you reach out to talent? Yeah. And so um, the next step is through a friend. Which I think, uh, honestly, is the way for a film like mine and like our last film was See You Next Christmas. All of our namey talent, they were 100% through personal connections. And and our casting director was wonderful and great. But like, you know, just to kind of do a low budget, you know, SAG scale, essentially, shoot. It was always a personal relationship that got our foot in the door and then got people excited and willing right so can you give me an example of how you leveraged the personal relationship last time to Mm -hmm. get an actor so there's kind of two different ways to do it and we did it both on these um there's the way of like reaching out through an agent and simultaneously back channeling and saying like oh hey can you let so-and-so know give them the heads up we just reached out to their agents um can you tell them that i'm not a wackadoodle and that this movie's going to be good. I'd really appreciate it. And they just, someone can it simply forward it on, forward an email on, right? Um, saying like, oh, hey, Matt's great. You should, uh, I love him. I hope this works out. Done. Or you can ask for an introduction without the agency, basically. You could reach out and say, hey, I think this person is right for the movie. Yes. I know you've been hanging out with Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Guys, I keep seeing your Instagram. You're in the same couch store. Either either you're really good at Photoshop or... Yeah. When you send an email to a friend or a text or a phone call, is there like a, a certain way that you think it's it's best to ask for this intro? Or is it just dependent? I think that um, I accidentally said it earlier, 30 seconds earlier, making it something that's easy for them to forward along right and that in this case it's kind of literally like writing something that they can forward that is simple and clear but really what i'm getting at the root of what we're trying to say is that like even for a friend and maybe not your actual best friend but like any anyone other than like someone who's working on the movie or like a real go to the mat for you friend should you should just make it literally as easy as you can fathom for them to get it done because people with good intentions have all sorts of reasons why they won't be able to come through for you like they don't want to feel awkward they don't have time it slips through their the cracks on an email you know in their inbox or whatever they're busy they're on set it needs to be as simple as oh bing my phone Skim it. Oh, Matt could really use this favor. Forward. Done. Path of least resistance is the way to make it happen. And also, like, I think sometimes I get nervous about asking for people to vouch for me. Mm -hmm. Like, one thing I do do is if 
whenever my wife, she's an actor, whenever she gets an audition, I ask her if she knows who the director is. And if it is a director, I know a lot of them, maybe were past guests on the podcast. I'll just send a note. Hey, Maggie Kylie, my wife is reading mm-hmm. for a role reading for you. Yeah. For you. Um, just putting in a good word. It, like, I don't know what, what to say. Sometimes I say like, you know, I, I think she's a fantastic actor and she like has always made mm-hmm. my life way easier when she's on set. She's collaborative and funny and professional. You're just kind of given like a little bump, just like tipping the scale by like 1%. You're just literally like putting a highlight on a name. Let yeah. me ask you a, a, a tough question, Oren. Mm-hmm. Your wife. My wife. The, the mother, your wife, the mother of your children. Yes. Your number one. The person you would you would go put yourself out on a limb for the most. Mm-hmm. Have you ever hesitated pinging a director that you know she's auditioning for? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And why? Right. Same. We're in the same boat. Like it kind of like, ah, depends. Do I know this person well enough? Mm-hmm. You know that. Keep going. Yeah, it, it depends. That that's why I try to not ask for anything. Like you know, I I'm a director and I don't cast my, my wife sometimes when she's not right. Like I I never want to I never want to put. I guess maybe it's selfish because I don't want to be in a situation where I'm like, hey Matt, you should cast Kara for this thing she's auditioning for that you're directing, and then you don't cast her, and then so we're I've cast Kara twice, Oren. Yeah, and I asked you. To not cast her that second time. Um, no, uh, and no, but Wait, if I. Who is it you cast, Chrissy? Me? I've tried to. Ca- Dude, I don't. <laughs> ah, you know, I don't yeah. cast redheads. <laughs> um, no, I don't. But I, I actually haven't even cast Kara in anything. I'm in like I'm years. I got you. Off, I got you off track. But um, so. Yeah, there's there's a calculus to it is is the point that I'm trying to illustrate. Right, I'm not right. trying to put oh. you on blast, right? Yeah, like, and what I was gonna say is like if I like Matt, you gotta cast Kara. She needs her health insurance days or whatever it is, like sure. some stupid unrelated reason to your project. And then the next day I see you and it's like, Oh, who'd you end up casting? Oh, you didn't cast Kara. Like, even if I don't say anything, I'll feel the like in the sure. awkwardness of it. And so yeah. that's why I, I hesitate to ask for favors, but I, but I do say like, I mean, she's been, she's auditioned for Jordan Brady a couple of times. I'll always be like, Hey Jordan, my wife's going out for your commercial. Tell her, you know, tell her hello for me if you see her or whatever. Um, you know, and it's like, I just try to be subtle about it. Um, the kids miss you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so all of which, the reason I ask you about that is because same boat, right? Like you always have to consider it every single time. And we're talking about the people who's in careers we are the most invested in, right? Yeah. And so imagine if someone was asking for a, uh, an endorsement or a connect or a shout out in some way who you weren't married to, right? right. It just becomes immediately that much more fraught, right? So, so unpacking that, it's like, yes, I can vouch for this person, but like, um, are they right for it? Is do I know this person well enough? Is this appropriate? You know, all of those things are calculus. So, the best you can do when you're asking for an introduction is to keep it as literally as simple as seamless and possible, right. so that there's no, none of those caveats or road bumps, um, roadblocks ahead. Yeah. So simple to the point, honest and not fluffy. I think mm-hmm. right, like mm-hmm. the language, like you shouldn't patronize or like be like oh my god you're such a nice person i loved your mm-hmm. cheesecake you brought to my party and can you please introduce me to mm-hmm. julia which is funny because it's not on our list but it's worth mentioning um I, we talk a little bit about love letters in the um when you're reaching out through an agent you send a a, a letter that says dear tom cruise i thought you were so great in risky business what yeah. have you been doing since then you looked so tall um, in that last top gun movie <laughs> yeah yeah but you know you write like you, you know this aspect of the performance that is so great and i'd love for you to do th- bring this to this character and you know you really kind of um talk them up and my first i remember writing an offer letter to and my producers being like hey you gotta you gotta juice this 
you gotta, you know, be more romance them a little bit more. And I think that. And you I, did you agree? Yeah, yeah, I agreed. I didn't. Um, I was true to myself. I was, I, you know, people can smell a lie, or right? Was falseness. There's a time and a place is what I'm getting at. And I think that my, I tend to go cut and dry really, really to the point when it comes to these things Mm -hmm. and that discipline or habit will say, uh, doesn't always serve me. Sometimes you do need to be like, Oh, you were incredible at this. Yeah. I do think people like specific compliments and you know what people don't like is unspecific compliments, broad compliments. Oh, I love your podcast. Yep. We'll get to that. I know. We yeah. get that all the time and drive yeah. me crazy. Really? Okay. Cool. <laughs> I hope so. Um, yeah. Tell me more. Uh, you know, I used to work for this company called Window Seat Pictures. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I get emails all the time like, hey, I I love, and I don't, it's on my LinkedIn or something. I don't know how they find me, but they're like, I love your work in the aviation industry and <laughs> helping people like find seats. Like, it's so amazing. You know, I'm like, delete. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, mom, stop yeah. emailing me. I don't work there anymore. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I, I do think if you m- have a connection to someone that you want to cast, it's really helpful. And the less famous they are, the, the easier it is to exploit that connection, right? Um, so the third way that we had listed of how you can reach out to talent is directly, right? Is mm-hmm. find them on social media. DM them, yeah. DM them. Yeah, see where they like to get coffee and just happen to be in there, bump into them. <laughs> well, that's a different, that's stalking. That's number four. Not recommended. Okay. Um, but directly slash social media. Look, there's a couple things about this that I actually do like. For the most part, it's not necessarily my style. If you have friends that, if you're like, oh, I noticed that my friend follows them and me, maybe that's helpful. I gotta say I miss Facebook for this reason because Facebook used to be able to like help you triangulate who knows who and who's friends with who and how do I get this introduction now uh, social media is even less interpersonal so it's a lot harder to to figure any of that out and, and and help each other out which is such a bummer yeah in the business world that's why LinkedIn is LinkedIn's so successful right? yeah but exactly now for I this th- reason LinkedIn doesn't like a, a connection with link uh, via LinkedIn doesn't mean the same thing it used to mean. It used to mean like, oh, I've literally worked at a job with this person. Now it's still just straight up social media and you have to kind of figure out how they're connected. But anyway, the thing that I do like about the social media connection is that a direct cold call is active, right? So if you're, you know, if you don't have access to producers who know agencies or whatever, and you've got the gumption to just reach out to the actors that you connect with or whomever, you can just go for it. And if it doesn't connect, it doesn't connect. That's okay. But like you can move, you can move forward on things. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think if I've ever directly connected with anyone talent wise and I, I don't think I mean I've met people before you know they're like oh man it would be amazing if this person wouldn't be in something I made but I don't like let's say I met someone at a party and talked to them for a few minutes then like maybe if I went through their agent I would be like by the way I just met Jack he's awesome you know um, but yeah it's tricky but I do think triangulating these things is always super helpful, right? So you met someone at a party, you happen to have a friend in common and you reach out to them through their agent, right? And you mention to that agent, like, Hey, I just met, you know, so-and-so Dax Shepard at this UCB show. Um, you know, we were fans of each other's shows that night and I'd love to, you know, see if he would be available for this to check out the script. Yeah, that's right. That that's the sort of heat rather than just like, oh, I saw I love Dak Shepard's podcast. Right. <laughs> you know, you've worked with a lot of celebrities in like commercials and stuff, right? You worked with Red Eye, worked with Allison mm-hmm. Williams, worked with Rob Briggle, all sort all these people. Do you do you know if in any of those situations you did, did you have to pitch 
Like, were you involved in getting them at all or were they involved in approving you in any way? Um, well, commercials, you know, as you know, it's a different deal because the price tag is significant, right? So like sometimes, sometimes they have to prove, yeah, yeah, they've had to approve me, but like you just, they just get sent my reel and like, honestly. Or a treatment maybe. Or yeah, yeah, whatever. Like truly, I think it's more just like the bozo test again. Like. Oh, this person knows what they're doing. Fine. Great. Next. You know. Definitely been on the uh, multiple celebrities that sign on to do a commercial and they're like, now we get to choose. It. I, I had a, a book job with flights purchased already. <laughs> and then last minute, the celebrity who was like, this is famous. You and I both know him very well, but he's not like super famous. Um mm-hmm worldwide was like i'd rather have my friend direct this yeah well and i think like when you say oh rather have my friend direct this they mean my friend who is a director who has a very good reel also yes yes yeah Yeah, not not in a but i guess the disregard is in the fact that somebody already (laughs) worked hard to get this job sure and your relationship with the production company that's going to be producing it and your ability to follow through on post and all of that stuff is kind of a little up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Well, so that's us reaching out to talent. I don't know if this has been helpful to people. I think the takeaway is, is that every situation is different and that if you just see someone that you love on a TV show that just won a bunch of Emmys. If you're like, Oh, Jeremy Ian white Mm -hmm. would be, or Jeremy Allen white would be amazing for my thing. He's so good in the bear. And you think I'll just call his agent and see if I can get the script to him. It's, it's an uphill battle. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I wanted him for this uh, MeUndies commercial that I was going to shoot. Yeah. He's in the Calvin Klein spot. Ah, he ruined it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a joke. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, but, you know, look, as a takeaway, I think the fundamentals are the same. And it sounds like maybe we're overthinking things, but like just keeping it as clean and as unpretentious and as streamlined as possible and easy on the people that you are asking something of is is always the key. And frankly, something that I needed to be reminded of myself over and over again. I sent e- Orin an example of an email I was going to be sending soon. And um you know, now it's two and a half sentences rather than eight. You know, you just have to stay disciplined on it. All right. Next up, being reached out to by potential collaborators. It's easy yeah. to forget that we are we are also talent. You know, we re- refer to actors as talent, but also directors are pieces of talent, assets that help get something made. made. Yeah. 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 So this is something that you and I, for sure, having the podcast makes a big difference. We're very accessible. Like our email, you can email us at just shootapod at gmail.com. You can find us on social media individually. Um, you can go to our websites and find our contact info, uh, Mr. Matt Inlow and directed by Oren.com. And so people are like always reaching out to us and we get a lot of emails from DPs, right? I get at least three emails a week from a DP. Uh, and a lot of times they're like very legitimate DPs, you know, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I'll be like, ah, who is this joker? And I'll click on their website. I'm like, Oh, you shot that <laughs> amazing commercial. You shot this TV yeah. show. And you're like, okay. It always kind of bumps me out because you're reminded of how many awesome DPs out there need work in the same way. The directors need work. We're just kind of always trying to, Find the next gig. Yeah. Um, and so I guess for me, like I largely like if a DP sends me an email. First of all, if they ask if they can like take me to buy me a cup of coffee or let's schedule a time to meet up. Like, I don't know why, but it's already kind of like a little bit of a turnoff um, mm-hmm. because I don't. Now you put me in a situation where my two options are. To either ignore your email and not respond to you, which I feel bad about, mm-hmm. or to respond to you and come up with excuses as to why I'm not going to go to 
you know, Larchmont and have a coffee with you on like a Thursday at 3 p.m. Like right before I have to pick up my kids while I'm trying to finish this. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Do, do you think like uh, 10 years ago, maybe when your life was a little less complicated, you would do it more likely? Yeah, for sure. And even recently, like right before COVID, I think, you know, everyone, I famously went to the Starbucks Reserve in Los Feliz like every mm-hmm. day after I dropped my daughter off at preschool. And I, my deal was kind of like, hey, this is where I'm going to be. If you want to come meet for a cup of coffee or whatever, you can. But then I started meeting people, a lot of people that like wanted to pick my brain or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the just the meetings would not end. And I yeah, would. Your day's gone. Yeah. I would find. Yeah. Like I would feel like I'm interviewing them like, okay, so what do you want to do in film? And like, what do you want from me? And like, yeah, yeah. Especially like as a person who has a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I've already basically said every single thing I've ever thought (laughs) in the last 400 episodes. Probably a bit twice over. Yeah. I think in general, like if I'm a DP reaching out to a director, I'd say, hey, I like your work. So I get a lot. Hey, I love your work. I'd Mm -hmm. love to, hopefully we can collaborate on something. Here's my site. Like, I'd love for you to say, hey, I love your work. Like this spot uh-huh. or this thing or that thing. That or Pringles the commercial. Color. Is, yeah, I, the camera I, movement. I had to look up who directed it. Yeah, like just give me something that makes that statement have any sort of backing whatsoever. And then here's my site. And your site should be freaking 20 thumbnails of things I can click on. Mm-hmm. I mean, let me ask you a real question, Oren. Yeah, and this is the root of the DP of it all. Have you ever hired someone who hit you up? The long answer is probably, but what I've been doing recently is I have a document of mm-hmm. people that like. So I'll click on their website if it seems if people. So you like you've got your document. DPs is a tab on mm-hmm. your Excel spreadsheet, and you're like, oh, this person reached out to me. Yeah, maybe it's a I'll reach. Yeah, yeah interesting. And I have like just literally all I put is the website. Right now I have six DPs uh, listed under this website. And I've met with one, two, three, three of them, like just Mm -hmm. to consider them for jobs that we Mm -hmm. ended up not hiring them. And then one of them I did hire. Um, Because here's what I was getting at. I was trying to serve you up this answer. Is that like we know a lot of DPs. Right. Yeah. And if I need if I, if all of my favorites were booked, everyone's off shooting a movie, I would probably do one of two things. I would either and that that list is at least 6 people deep, right? Mm-hmm. I'd either ask the agency or producers, "Oh, do you have any favorites?" And they always do. Mm-hmm. Um oh, I love this person. They're so fast. Or yeah. like, "Never mind." Um <laughs> or I uh I'd they, hit up they own their their own red monstro. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh. I'd hit you up and maybe a few other director friends who's you know, I'd be like, Oh, hey Carlin, who shot this spot? This is so good. Or mm-hmm. I'd be on Instagram and I'd be like, Finally, this is my chance to reach out to this DP that I've always wanted to work with. Yeah. And also honestly, I probably would then be like, Hey, I know this director. Can you um give me their email? I do think like with DPs, it is a little bit of like an impressions game. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I've seen your name like in seven different places. It's like they're triangulating us, right? Sure. So just that email doesn't count for much. But if they send that email and they say, hey, I work with this director that's been on your podcast, mm-hmm. like that already gets you like 10 times farther than not mentioning any mm-hmm. sort of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and I one up you like not just like oh uh, I heard this director on your podcast if we got an email that was like oh hey dudes I uh, I loved the conversation you had with my director on this thing they were such a blast I took a look at your work I really love that Pringles commercial that you did Oren keep me in mind if you've ever got anything like that I'd love to do something like this here's my website that's pretty clean that's that's appealing right that's great also if you don't live in LA it's a bonus like Hey, by the way, I'm an Atlanta-based DP, and I mm-hmm. also work in North Carolina mm-hmm. and can work there as a local. Because a lot of times, that's when I'm looking for new DPs is when I'm going to towns and I can't Travel bring jobs someone you can't bring up. from yeah. L.A. Yeah. So DPs, I don't think we need to go as deep into all these others, but we, for some reason, get a lot of emails from composers. And those are... I truly believe that some school, maybe a couple of them, 
teach their composers to cold email every filmmaker. But how, what would you do if you're a composer? I have no idea. It's so a the, tough, tough gig. Though I will say, my composer Philippe Pierre for Squaresville, who did a wonderful job and did incredible work, and is now um, has a pretty great career. Uh, he's kind of shifted. He's still in music, but I think it's more in the supervision realm because um, he's got great taste. Was a cold email, but that was also a web series where I'd never received those emails before. <laughs> it was just flattered. You know, and commercials, you never I never hire the composer, like maybe like if I got some giant commercial with like a long timeline. But the only time I've ever hired a composer is on a feature film or maybe like an episodic thing. If you're directing like the entire show or something mm-hmm. or the pilot. But yeah, it's so rare I feel for like me I've to done. Hire. I've had composers on like the CBS prank show i did a few years back mm-hmm. every once in a while but honestly the problem is is that like it's a lot easier especially on like a 30 second spot or something like that to just look through a seemingly infinite catalog of music and just pick the song that you like best rather than describing something that's ultimately going to be a little generic that generic thing already exists on premium beat epidemic etc etc you know yeah yeah i mean yeah yes and no i like it depends if you're doing like an apple commercial about how they're have all these new features for deaf users or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's like a two minute long docu style thing and you can score it with an orchestra you know it's there there's a level yeah yeah if you can give your commercial the same amount of of, of care that you would give a feature film, then you can use a composer. But in general, feel free to e- continue emailing me composers. I almost never listen to what you send me. Though I will say one time in the past year, someone emailed me a composer email and I clicked on their site and it was just like 10 tracks. And one of them was about like birds in the forest or something. And, you know, I'm working on this, like the unscripted podcast. And I was like, mm-hmm. Ooh, this song makes me think of things. And I sent it to my co-writer Julie and I was like, Julie, listen to this like while you like read the scene. Like this might like because we're thinking about audio a lot. I'm like, what if imagine the scene while you're mm-hmm, listening to this, this song? Yeah. But you I, know what, what the for real the life of me don't remember who that composer is. Yeah. The 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 this is terrible to have to say out loud, but um I was just watching a TikTok. God. I was watching a TikTok summary of a Vox article about how <laughs> all creators have to quote unquote sell out is the point of the Vox article that you all have to be self-promotional and, you know, create your own media and market for yourself and all of that stuff, which is, I think, a, a topic that in the music industry in particular on TikTok is like quite pertinent. And I always see in my feed some version of this of a take on this. Um, but the most recent composer that I struck up a relationship with, I found on TikTok because he did cool videos with atmospheric, great music. And I reached out to be like, Hey, this is great. Can I get a link to this for a sizzle I was doing? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And his work was sick. So put your work out there and email people, but putting your work out there is probably the best way to get people to come to you instead of you going to them. Um, the other thing I get a lot of emails from is colorists. They always offer to like color something for me and I appreciate it, but it's like, it's just not, it's just hard for me to set up that yep. session. You know, again, it's like, I appreciate it, but like, you're not pitching me something easy for me to take you up on. <laughs> um, and then the other, other people that are like constantly reaching out to us are like people that are new to the business and just want to like pick our brains. Like I just got someone on LinkedIn just reached out and, they were like, hey, I'm a commercial director. I, I was on the art class website and I loved your work. Like, I'm wondering if I could like take you out for coffee and ask you like for some advice on like my next steps in the commercial directing world. And I wrote him back and I was like, thank you. I have no bandwidth for this. Do you want to ask me some questions here mm-hmm. <laughs> on LinkedIn? Yeah, I don't know. What's your what's your like friend of friends or fans of the podcast or people are new to the business and they just want to get some advice. What's your move? Yeah, I think there's, it's all context, right? Like a friend 
who I've worked with closely, who's got a family friend who needs some help or a person who's worked really hard for them, like a PA who's really trying to level up and break out that sort of stuff. That's a sweet spot for me for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I appreciate them that the most when my life was less complicated, I would do these meetings more frequently for sure. Um, and you know, sometimes have nice relationships where they would come and PA for me on a short film or things like that. Like it can be something really cool. And I think if you have the, the bandwidth, by all means do it. We don't, right? Like I literally woke up at five thirty to write this morning and it was eleven o'clock now. And mm-hmm. uh you know, you've been working nonstop at the same time. Like I That said, if somebody does want to PA for me or even shadow me or something, like I'd be open to that. It's right. just, my, yeah, because of course. It, it my doesn't point take is, much for me. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't take as much work for you. Going to out to a coffee shop, I you know, dear friends of mine I haven't seen. <laughs> you know like it's hard to prioritize that stuff um and also look we want to help people so that's part of why we made the podcast you know yeah i'm always happy to respond to like a specific question though and we love getting questions on the podcast that we can respond to on the podcast too. yeah i want to make it a teachable moment maybe it helps other people out i i what's tricky is when someone's like i really want to pick your brain and also i i can't i cannot make the time to listen to a single episode of your podcast right but also Not that like, we want more listeners, but like, no, the reason is, is like, we're trying to educate people. I mean, you know, I kind of always contend it's just like fun to talk to someone about filmmaking. Sure. But um, if a person yes. can't put in the time to listen to one episode, then why would we be expected to put in the time to drive to a coffee shop and, you know, let them pick our brain for the same amount of time? Anyway, if you want something from me, just email me. I will respond if I can help you. And if I can't, I might not respond. So, okay, our final topic here is when we are on the other side of this yet again, when we are trying to pitch ourselves to be hired to get, you know, I think our first topic was about us trying to hire people that are really difficult to hire, like (laughs) famous actors and things like that, right? The second topic is people trying to get us to meet with them. But this third topic is... When we're trying to get people to hire us, some of the things that we go about doing. And recently I was talking to a friend who, when they pitch directors, they create, and I guess this is pretty common in the commercial world, but they create custom reels um, for, for the director. And they say like, hey, I can pitch you as a director that does animals. I can pitch you as a director that does comedy. I can pitch you as a director that does true crime. And they build these custom reels showing like three to 10 different samples of like what Matt Enloe has done with animals or what Matt Enloe has done with competition shows or what Matt Enloe has done with hidden cameras or unscripted or daytime TV or narrative sci-fi, whatever. And we always talk about how it's bad to say that like, Oh, I'll direct everything, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's helped. It's helpful to say like, I'm, I direct VFX and comedy or I direct celebrity stuff. But if you do do a lot of things, what's nice is if you can present yourself as like a person that can be easily, mm-hmm. easily presented to direct these, these various things. Um, yeah. And, and, and what you're describing, I think, is kind of like a very broad use case, right? Like there's the umbrella of like, oh, I'm a comedy director. And then under that umbrella, there's sports comedy, action comedy, dialogue driven comedy, dry comedy, character driven comedy punchline whatever you know um uh and so i think that it's handy to for a person to repitch you to be like oh oren's perfect at x y or z the the prereq the prerequisite though is that you have to have a body of work right when you're saying oh you know i can be your action comedy guy you better have like a handful of sick action spots in order for it to make sense to have that as its own reel, right? Versus animals versus dialogue driven comedy or whatever it may be. Right. It's not aspirational. It's, it's proof. And so that, that's the big caveat with that. It's like, you know, you have to have been lucky enough to have booked the work and have 
to your portfolio evolve over time to have have that stuff right certainly i when i was booking cat food commercials all the time um i got lucky with the first one out of circumstance you know yeah well it was like the first one was like probably a comedy cat commercial mm-hmm. right so sure. you're yeah. you're being pitched as a comedy director and this one happens to have a cat in it and now all of a sudden you're a cat director I think there's an, a nice way to not say I'll direct anything mm-hmm. and I can do everything, but also say like, by the way, it, this is especially when you're, when you're pitching yourself to people that might be pitching you, right? Mm-hmm. Saying like, Hey, here's how you could pitch me as a comedy director. And here's how you could pitch me as a um, VFX director or something is, is a nice thing to do. Um, I'm trying to think aside from commercials, have you pitched yourself to, be the director on anything in a while yeah i mean um aside commercials like in the narrative sense it has been a beat for sure you know i think a lot of the investigation of like oh can he do x y or z happens before the meeting you know it was up for a series not a couple series not that long ago but like they'd already seen my work before you before I walked in the door. And so there's not the occasion of like, oh, here's my, it just so happens that I work with cats. Like they're like, okay, well, we're bringing you in because you know how to do this stuff already. Right. And your current job show running, you like sent them a resume, right? Is that true? I did send them a resume. Yeah. I guess my recent pitch, like try, attempt to get a director job was for that DGA mentorship the TV mentorship that I, I ended up not getting, but one of the things that you need to submit is a two minute video about why you should get it, why you should get it, which is not unlike an interview, which I had to interview for this job for sure. Multiple right. times. I interviewed so many times. So how do you, what's the balance between being thirsty, overly thirsty, like, Hey, I'd be so good. And we would be amazing partners and we could go have lunch every day. And I know great mm-hmm. lunch spot, you know, being mm-hmm. like annoyingly thirsty Versus like, yeah, I could do whatever, you know, this is no big deal. Like overly casual, right? Like there's yeah. a, there's a middle ground that you need to strike. You do need to show that you want it. Certainly. Right. Like if you're too good for the job, that's a turn off for most people, you know, depending on, there's always a vibe to people sometimes, but, um, you know, I think in most cases, like showing some, a sincere interest in what, what you're doing is going to be important. That, that's not thirsty though. Right. Thirstiness is about trying too hard, going beyond the pale, you know, sending too many follow-up emails or, or, uh, you know, wanting the job because you need it, not because you're right for it is really what we're talking about. Yeah, I think it's like an air of, it's like the combination of like an air of desperation, Mm -hmm. like that you need this job really badly combined with some insincerity, right? Mm -hmm. Like... Mm-hmm. Exactly like the way we get emails and people. I love Matt. I'm such a huge fan of your work. Sure. No, and, no, it's not Matt. It's hey, just shoot a podcast a film. Uh, just shoot at a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. I'm such a huge fan of your work. Right. And you're like, okay, well, yeah. It's a weird thing to name. say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the best the best way to email is just to keep things short, honest. Um, but like you said, show that you're passionate uh, at the same time. And so so that's a balance that, that each person needs to figure out for themselves. I know we're not talking about craft here, but it is an essential aspect of being a working director, right? When I got this show running job, I knew a strike was coming. I knew I had a brand new baby and a new mortgage and like needed the job because I need money to survive. But I did not act like it in the moment, right? And that is true for every pitch. Work begets work is a thing we've heard our entire careers, careers, and it's real, right? Like job jobs are different than like pitching. Pitching, there is a cool factor that you have to deal with, you know, mm-hmm. um, that unfortunately is part of the business. I think you and I both know directors who work less than they should or than their talent would warrant because they're not great in the room or... Yeah, because they're not great in the room, basically. Less charismatic or less, you know, nimble linguistically or whatever. They just don't pitch as well. 
and you know that their ideas are sick and awesome. And if, you know, if it was just about the real, they would be booking nonstop yeah. and that their real would be growing, you know, totally on the note of like being tactful and being good and corresponding with people. Like what's your, what's your take on check-ins? Like if you, you, you know, as, as podcasters, we get pitched a lot of guests, mm-hmm. I'd say multiple guests a day. Um, and we get a lot of emails like four, two or three days later. Hey, just checking in on this. Would you like to book so-and-so on the show? Mm-hmm. Is that just, are you annoyed by it? I, I actually, I find it simultaneously annoying, but also effective. Like today, I think I emailed you, I forwarded you three emails and I said, Hey, these, these people seem kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we can have them on the show. Look, this so-and-so sure. is, did this and this. Um, and I would not have looked them up if people wouldn't have like checked in, checked you know, in. because sometimes when they send the email, I'm super busy, so I don't look at it. But then when they check in, I have some free time. So I take a, a longer moment to look at it. Yeah, I, I think that the importance of a check-in email boils down to this. What value does the check-in give to the recipient? So in the case of when we are getting pitched a, a potential guest, the value proposition is very clear. You're podcasters. You need people to interview. Here's a person to interview. And so if that person fits the criteria of what we were looking for at that moment and we realize that right in the moment or or if it falls down the email stack and like they check in to remind us about it they don't really know that one way or the other it's no skin off their back i'm sure it's all automated like they saw that we opened the email and then they're following up that then it's not annoying then they're solving a problem for us if it's a person who's totally off base not a filmmaker for instance somehow we ended up on a pr list for tech startups or something like that you know right right well what about just to make it a little more personal what if you sent a producer hey i have a script i loved your movie that you did this and this and this Mm -hmm. i think mine is very much in your wheelhouse can i send you my script Mm -hmm. no response for a week yeah great question great question i've made every mistake continue to make every mistake i'm really grateful to have this conversation because it's reminding me of the core tenets of all of the these communications that were hard learned as a person who you know lacks social grace sometimes all the time i mean sure all the time great we've made all these mistakes and that's why the and i've seen how it works on every side of the coin so that's part of why i i believe the things that i believe and hopefully this is helpful for people but so the producer thing it's tricky if they're looking for a project then you are giving them something that they need, a project, right? Mm-hmm. Ho- hopefully it's right for them. If you have some sort of connection to them, they were on your podcast or they were a friend of a friend or even like, ah, oh, they made a movie that's close to yours but different enough that it'd still be interesting in the right price range, et cetera, et cetera. All of that stuff is helpful. If they don't need it, if, if the producers isn't looking for a project or they're booked for the next five years straight, or the project has, is not something that they have taste for, this isn't something they like, you know, then it's kind of annoying, right? You don't have control over what people are looking for. You know, we have mutual friends who are great producers who I reached out to with my script and they passed on it because they didn't like it, right? They didn't like the genre. Okay, next. Not for them. If you keep bugging them, then that's crossing a line where it's like, oh, that's not cool. So once you get that answer, take that answer. But you don't have, like I said, you don't have control over whether or not what you have is what they're looking for, which is the complicated answer there. The other kind of check-in is just a little, the more casual, like, hey, I just saw this thing of yours and, you know, was... Mm -hmm checking in to see if we can work on something. I think those emails are totally 100% fine. Just don't be disappointed if you don't get a response. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's like this thing, especially in Hollywood, you and I have talked about it a lot, like kind of these circuits of people. These are TV writers and these are like indie film festival producers, you know, feature producers. And these are commercial directors. 
And sometimes when you fall out of one for a while, you, you know, people stop pitching you for, you know, mm-hmm. it's not that you're no longer a commercial director, you're no longer an indie film director. It's just that when we're making our list of indie film directors, are you top of mind or not? Yeah. Yeah. Done a movie in 10 years. So he's not on the list. And so I think checking in does help keep you alive and mm-hmm. in, in these circles, even if it doesn't lead to anything. So I'm all for like checking in, saying hi. Like I love even on social media, just, I mean, on Instagram, what's funny is like, if you like someone's post, they will probably never see that you liked it. But if you like put like a fire emoji on it or something, then they will see that. <laughs> that. And I, so sometimes when I'm like, oh, this is a person I care about and I like what they're doing and I mm-hmm. want them to know that even though they're just like a podcast guest or something, I'll, I'll just do that one extra thing, which is like, Hey, mm-hmm. just rem- reminding you that I exist and that I think you're, what you're making is awesome. Anyhow, uh, well, connecting, we'd love to hear what you all think about emails about connecting. Uh, we'd love for you to connect with us. You can email us at just shoot it pod at gmail.com. You can find us across all social media and you can listen to our unpaid endorsements right now on the podcast. Unpaid endorsements. The Academy Museum here in Los Angeles has, uh, have I told you about this? They have um, family matinees, 11 a.m. on Saturdays. It is $5 a head in a beautiful theater. We took our daughter to see Little Mermaid, her very first theatrical experience. Little Mermaid. The new one or the original one? The original on a 35 millimeter print. It was filled with children. They were all in costume. Everyone was so excited. We made it through most of the movie. We've seen it before. It's fine. Where is it? The Academy Museum is uh, right by LACMA, like uh, just south of the Grove. So we actually swung by Republic and grabbed pastries at the window. Oh, interesting. On mm-hmm. the one on La Cienega or La Brea? That, that's the only one? Yes. Yeah. On La Brea. So they've got a little window where you can get just like coffees and like a few, like a croissant or like a few of the basic things. You don't have to wait in a super long line. It's their quick service thing. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, we walked around the tar pits a little bit, went to the movie. Perfect day. So that's, and like I said, $5 a head. If you were uh, museum members, I think we spent $9 total on an original 35 millimeter print in a perfect, beautiful theater. It was wonderful. The Great Mouse Detective is coming soon, Oren, if, you, if you're so inclined. Mm. Very good to know. I have some mice I need to mm-hmm. interrogate. Mm-hmm. That's right. I do not have exciting stuff, so you know me. I always go for quantity over quality. Let's go. Number one, Trader Joe's Dark Chocolate Mini Hearts. They seem so basic, but they're so delicious. Okay, number two, this is only because so many people told me it was good. I got into it, and they were right. It's Fargo Season 5. Juno Temple, yeah, who is not from that part of the country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she, she's really good in it. It's really, I love it because it's just like every character has a secret, mm-hmm. and they just slowly unfold, and they're really interesting. I saw Season 1, I saw like half of Season 2, and then I stopped, and then... Just recently I was on set and people, multiple people mentioned, were like mm-hmm. talking about season five. So I watched it with my wife and we're, we're I think we're on, we're like halfway through, really enjoying it. Ooh, I just remembered there's a new True Detective out that I haven't watched yet. Very excited for that. Third endorsement is to keep your eyes open for references in life. Uh, I'm like doing visual effects right now and Kyle McConaughey, he's a Just Shoot It listener and I'm actually uh, helping him out with some VFX for his movie. It's called Dead Mail. It's premiering at South by Southwest. You know, we're talking about this shot where we have to add a skylight to a few of the shots. And I was just at a pizza place uh, with my family and they had a skylight and I took photos of it. And I, it just reminded me like how important references are. Also explosions. Mm-hmm. I'm doing like some fire stuff. Like if you're adding explosions or doing things, just like find video of the things you're making mm-hmm. and just... It'll give you so much to go off of, especially when you're trying to manufacture a fake version of something that is real. Anyway, find references in life. Keep your eyes open everywhere you go, especially like architectural and other buildings and the way people talk and stuff. Uh, I know it's obvious, but just reminding people. And then my last thing, it's 
kind of, it's not unpaid endorsement. It's just like a, a brag, I guess. But I have three spots running right now on TV. I don't know if hey. I've ever had that. Um, not bad, buddy. I have Popeye's. If you see a woman crashing the wings party, she goes to a party where they have chicken wings and she replaces all everyone's chicken wings with Popeye's wings. That's my commercial. I also have a promo for the Super Bowl where it's a, a bunch of people watching the Super Bowl on CBS, on Paramount Plus and on Nickelodeon, where we got to like fire real Nickelodeon slime at some actors, which is really fun because I didn't know this, but it's there's basically like an official Nickelodeon slime mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the people that do the Nickelodeon slime. And that was really fun. And then if you're in Canada, I have a home equity bank spot running with a, a guy named Peter Mansbridge, who um, is a very famous newscaster in Canada. Mm. I had no idea who he was when I directed it, but um, it was, uh, it's cool. And it's on TV. And I, w- I was in Canada last week and I saw it on TV in my hotel room and I was that's so stoked. Fun. Ooh, that's fun. When you see him in the wild. That's yeah, really yeah, fun. yeah, and my um, Super Bowl one ran during the Grammys last night. Oh, cool, so. man! That's awesome. Yeah, dude, well done. It, uh, we'll have a very short shelf life. Sure. By the time this episode comes out, there'll only be like there'll be less than a week till it becomes useless. <laughs> uh, but what's cool about the Super Bowl this year is it is airing on Nickelodeon, and SpongeBob is doing the commentary. Do you know that the Super Bowl is? Uh, it's basically the only thing left that for commercials that many people watch on tv at the same time no not just commercials like like as a collective the only event yeah 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 american event yeah so well i'll see you at my oscars party oren no i don't i don't throw an oscar party anyhow we'd love to hear your thoughts on everything just shoot a pod at gmail.com you can find us across all social media at just shoot a pod i'm on instagram at o kaplan and i'm at mr madonlo this episode was edited by noah bayshore thanks noah and produced by him as well with additional production from tyler small and you're listening to music from the free music archive and the artist jazar thanks everyone goodbye bye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.